It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. I hope you know how powerful prayer is. Prayer is so powerful. God says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And it also says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And then in James, it says, the prayers of a person in right relationship with God are powerful and effective. And John, I know you can't get into it, but you experienced yesterday the power of prayer mm-hmm. in praying for someone else and seeing the power of your prayers actually explode into that situation. Yeah. Honestly, over the last few weeks, I have seen the power of God in such a, a, a beautiful, beautiful way. So when I was in India walking through the red light district, I was, I've shared with you guys, I was afraid about going to India because I thought, Am I going to be in harm's way? There's going to be spiritual battle and the enemy's going to be present. And am I going to be okay? Yeah. And what I found as I walked down the streets of the red light district is I felt no fear whatsoever. Mm. No fear. What I felt was the spirit of God in me and the people that I was with impacting the darkness. Mm. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. I don't need to be afraid of the dark. Yeah. The dark needs to be afraid of the light. Yep. And, and same yesterday, I was in a situation where I had the opportunity to pray with someone, to pray over someone, and, and the light is so much brighter than the darkness. I am telling you, like right now, I want to embrace every scripture, every passage that says, that talks about the light overcoming mm. the darkness because I saw it, I experienced it in a situation I didn't know what I was walking into, in a situation that could be fear-inducing. Yep. As I was driving there, I sensed the Lord saying, no fear, Mm. peace. You are peace. You carry peace because I'm in you. Mm -hmm. So you you walk in and you're peace. And I just felt like in the midst of being able to pray together with someone and for someone, the the power of light Mm -hmm. is so much greater than the power of darkness. Literally, Mm -hmm. the enemy is fearful of the spirit of God, yep. of the power of God. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's an authority. It's a confidence that doesn't come from within ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit in us. And you are the light of the world, my friend. You are the light of the world. And the light just wants to break out of you today. Mm-hmm. And here's one of the scriptures, John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome That's it. right there. We read that yesterday. Awesome. We read that. And the prayer is so, prayer, prayer is so powerful. Uh, you know, take every opportunity you can to pray, to worship the Lord, but also to make petitions and cast out demons and, you know, heal the sick. I mean, the prayers of a person in right relationship with God are powerful and effective. And it starts right there on your knees.
Do you ever feel like something's off and you just can't put a finger on it? You don't know where it's coming from, but there's something inside of you that just, you just don't feel like you're on your A-game. You feel like for some reason something is off. Mm-hmm. Well, I had this happen yesterday. I was driving to work and of course we had some inclement weather. So I leave Middleville and really the roads are quite fine. I'd kind of gave myself a little extra time, a little extra space thinking it might take longer to get in, but things were fine when I got started. And then I headed up M37 North, you know, hopped on M6 and started to head towards Zealand. And on Thursdays, I do have my regular routine that I do every day of doing my quiet time, audio devotional sort of thing. But then after that's done, I usually call my daughter Eden who lives in Australia. And so I had done that and I said, yeah, I might have to hop off in a, I might not be able to spend this whole time talking with you because the weather's kind of me. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving. And as I get closer to Zealand, once for sure, once I got on 196 or I-96, it was worse. So I hop off with E. I'm like, I got to give this my full undivided attention at this point. So right. I kind of, I'm in the right lane. I'm going about 60 miles an hour. I got both hands on the wheel. I'm focused on the road and just... It's the road is starting to get kind of yucky and the weather's kind of yucky. Well, at that moment, it was probably about five minutes after I got off the phone with her. All of a sudden, my car starts to move into the left lane. I didn't look away and then look back and overreact. It was nothing like I was fully focused on the road. Mm -hmm. It was nothing that I did. And my tires just lost their grip and I started to veer into the next lane. I had no control over my vehicle whatsoever. And it was a very unsettling feeling. It was scary. And it probably only lasted about six or seven seconds. But at 60 miles per hour, six or seven seconds of having no control of your vehicle is scary. It's frightening. It was really scary. And there was somebody in the left lane behind me. They must have been able to just kind of let off the gas and, you know, because they were kind of creeping up on me. But I think they let off and just gave me some space, which was really good because I wasn't navigating my car at that point. I was just praying. I was like, Jesus, please, Jesus, please help me. Jesus, please help me. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, for reals. I mean, it was that. So... I'm not going to take any credit for it. I have heard a lot of good advice as a California girl of how to handle moments like that. Like don't overreact. Don't try to steer back into the other lane because you've got, you know, your tires aren't gripping the road. So what you do with the wheel isn't going to matter until your tires do grip the road. And if you've turned the wheel, then it's going to swing you, you know, so just kind of keep things straight. So I did, I did all those things. I don't think it was all the good advice I've been given so much as it was just relying on the Lord and the Holy Spirit in that moment to just kind of do what was right. Eventually, my tires started to grab the road again, and I was able to continue on straight. And really, there was no harm done, or so I thought. But then I came into work, and we started the show. I told you guys what had happened, and I was like, I'm fine, but woo, that was scary. And then we start the show. We do the first segment, and I just feel like my confidence is gone. I felt like every question I said or every every statement I made was more like a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Like I just felt mm-hmm. very unsure of myself. And I was like, whoa, that was weird. What just happened? Yeah. One morning I was coming in and I tried to pass a truck. Well, I did pass a truck and I was really close to hitting somebody head on. Oh, man. And when I came into work, you know, I was really sh- shaken up and so much so when we started the show, I, I just thought, I need to go back over to that road and mm. see if I made somebody, run, you know, go off the road out yeah. of control and they're still there. It messed messed me with me. Yeah, it stuck with you. It was still affecting you. Affected the show. It affected the show and it, and it affected the show for me yesterday too. And I mean, later 
you know, a few moments later, we were in a conversation with a guest and we had an awkward moment where I just had dropped the ball. And it was like, what is happening with me? What is happening with me? And so I started talking with the Lord about it and asking him, what is going on here? And he brought me back to what had happened on the road on the way in. And I realized, ah, I am feeling shook by mm-hmm. what happened. Like that had more effect on me than what I thought it did. I thought I could just go on and it wouldn't affect anything. But the fact is it was affecting me. It was affecting you. It was affecting the team. It was affecting the show. And I was like, all right, we need to deal with this. And I need to, I needed to have a truth talk with myself and I needed to have a conversation with the Lord. And I was like, Lord, please help me to navigate this and address it and not just pretend like it's not there. Mm-hmm. And I realized it was scary and I felt unsafe. And so I had to truth tell myself, you're okay. You're safe. Mm-hmm. It's over. And nothing happened. And you're okay. Yeah. And I feel like as a team, we really, you know, worked through that really well yeah. together. We worked through well together and we talked through it and, and such. And we had a great conversation going forward. And I think it was a yeah, it was definitely the Holy Spirit gets all the praise, but it was a great team moment to mm-hmm. say, hey, I get it. Yeah, thank you for that. You guys were great. I think I think the, I think that what stands out to me about it is that there are things from our past that if we don't address them, mm-hmm. they can just sneak into the right now. Yeah. And we need, we need to be aware that they don't just impact us, they impact the people around us. Mm-hmm. And so it's important if you, if you feel, if you're feeling like, oh man, I'm off and I just don't know why I'm off. Take a moment and ask the Lord what's going on there. Ask him to help you. I mean, I could have done that if I'd have thought about it, right? Like I could have done that before it had the impact that it had. That would have been better in my opinion. But living a life of following Jesus is living a life of being reflective and being honest with him and, and talking with the Lord. And when something throws us, and shoves us and we're shook mm-hmm. just being honest with him about it and letting him settle us. Yeah. Just in the last few days, uh, I've had some memories come back of, of some things I did, some bad things I did when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And, and that does happen for me, but if I don't address those, it, it's almost like I don't want to address those because I'm past that, you know, and I'm, I shouldn't have to deal with that. You know, that should be over with. And all those are are just, I can do this kind of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Pull so, yourself up by your own bootstraps yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. so I've just had to really say, no, no, Jesus, you've forgiven me. And whatever I think or feel that unsettles me is not accurate. And the Lord rebuke you, Satan, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think if we were to sum this whole thing up, just go to Jesus. <laughs> when you when you're feeling off, you don't know what's what's rattling you. Things just don't feel like they are what they should be. Just go to Jesus for rescue. If you follow Jesus like I do, you are right with God, loved by God, accepted by him, forgiven in God's family not because of any righteous things you've done, but because of the righteous things Jesus has done. That's the gospel. John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, which is probably the second best-selling book of all time behind the Bible, 
sinned hard as a teenager. And about those years, he said, I had but few equals, both for cursing, swearing, lying, and cursing the holy name of God, blaspheming the holy name of God. But in his 20s, he married a devout follower of Jesus, and he tried really hard to reform his life. He went from hard sinner to someone who was working hard to earn God's favor. Hmm. He went from rebellion to religion. Mm -hmm. To striving, Mm -hmm. trying. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, yep, judgy. I'm saying, yep. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. I get it. I get it. I get it, too. But in all his efforts to be right with God, he knew he wasn't. He couldn't find peace, even though he was no longer that reckless sinner. Because our deepest problem is not the evil things that we do. It's in the heart that produces evil. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I when, I can't remember. One year at Easter, I got really deep into sin versus iniquity. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and sins are the the actions that we actually do that are against God. But iniquity is like that place in our hearts that wants to. It's like the motivation. It's it's upstream from the action itself. It's it's this rebellion mm-hmm. against God. That definitely was not a self-help study. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you want to do a self-help study, don't do it on sin and iniquity. Right. Yeah. But it is the best kind of study because it shows us how much we need a heart change. It shows how ingrained sin is in us and, yeah. and our our desire to want to be the Lord of our own life. Mm-hmm. And the need for a heart change. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I cannot do for myself. I can't change right. my heart. Only the Lord can change our hearts. Anyway, for John Bunyan, mm. then it happened. He says, one day as I was walking through a field feeling deep guilt on my conscience. Suddenly this sentence fell on my soul. John, John, your righteousness is in heaven. And for the first time I saw with my heart, Jesus Christ at God's right hand. And there was my righteousness. Mm -hmm. So that wherever I was or whatever I was doing, God could not say of me, he lacks righteousness. For it was always before him in Christ. Mm. Moreover, I also saw that it was not my feeling good about myself that made my righteousness better, nor my feeling bad about myself that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ. And at that moment, my chains fell off. That's awesome. This subject has has been on my heart recently as well for me personally, because I've been reading through the Bible in a year. And when I was in Genesis, I'm reading about Abram and about like, he just, he just really messed up. Yeah. (laughs) He did some stuff that was pretty janky. I mean, telling, you know, Kings that his wife was his sister so that his own life would be, wouldn't be threatened. I mean, just, he messed up and he wasn't acting like a holy man. And in the midst of this, he was wrestling to believe God's promise that that God was going to give him descendants and that it was, you know, going to, that he was going to make a nation out of him. And, and God said to, it says that God, he believed God for his promise and God credited it as righteousness. Yes. So his righteousness was not based on his behavior, right? but on his belief. Now you're sounding like Paul, because that's Paul's very argument in his writings. That's the best compliment I've gotten all day. Yeah. 
Way maybe to go. All, maybe in all my life. I don't know. Shauna, aka Paul. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I mean, I I I I resonate with Paul in his early years. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on. As all no, it's all good. Um, but that just that whole idea. I think we think righteousness is got to be about our actions. Mm-hmm. It's got to be right about my behavior and the things that I do, and that's not how God sees it. Yeah, God produces righteousness in us but that's something that's ongoing and you know like with abraham he believed god's promise and it was counted to him it was put in his account the righteousness of christ was put in his account that's what happens when we put our faith in jesus and that's why we need to relive the gospel and that's what we're doing right now we're reliving the gospel are you having fun yet always all right Are you working hard to get God to love you? Are you trying to reform yourself, clean yourself, heal yourself, fix yourself? I've tried that. Sometimes still do. Mm. But it doesn't work. It just leads to despair or Mm self-righteousness. That's religion. So if you could live a thousand years, let's just say God gave you a thousand years and you could take those thousand years to fast and pray and just be a devout person striving to earn God's favor, you still would not be righteous enough for a holy God. But here's a question. Go ahead. I say the good news is we don't have to do that. Yes. And that's what I'm getting to. Okay. I stole your thunder. <laughs> no, you didn't. Rewind. It's, it's perfect. Rewind. It's perfect. It's perfect because we need a double whammy. Okay, go. We don't have to is what you just said. Yeah. Why would we do that? When Jesus lived the perfect life already, perfectly righteous life, died the death that we deserve, and is at the right hand of God representing us in all of his beauty and righteousness and favor with God. Mm -hmm. And so when the Father looks at you, he sees the Son rest in Jesus Christ. He's your righteousness. Rest, child, rest. I think one of the one of the weapons that the enemy uses against us is to make us feel like we are alone. If he can get you to feel like you're completely on your own, then he I think he feels like he's got the upper hand, but I tell you what, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. The King of Kings is with you. He's for you. He's beside you. And you're a part of a church. You're you're a part of the church, the community of Christ. And it's way bigger than just you. Listen to this. In Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, he said, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Mm. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives Mm. by his spirit. Wow, that's powerful. We are the temple. We are the temple. You are not alone. You have the spirit of God in you and with you always. You belong to a body of believers. Whatever happens today, Whatever season you're walking through right now, you have a rock-solid cornerstone. Come on. You need to build that boat, my friend. 
God called Noah to build an ark. And there was a judgment in that, of course. The people of the world had become that every inclination of their heart was evil always. So there was a judgment in that. But God chose to save Noah and his family. And through Noah and his family, the world was saved, actually. Mm-hmm. So there's judgment in it. But for the most part, it was an act of of salvation to save Noah and his family. I was going to say Moses, but <laughs> Noah and his family. Yeah. And so Noah built a boat. God said, build a boat. And that boat benefited the world. And so I'm just thinking, what are the, what is the boat God wants you to build mm, that's good, to Jerry. save the world, Yeah. to bring blessing to the world? You know, for me, it's, I'm just, I spent last week building building a boat, recording a couple songs mm-hmm. in, in Nashville and hoping that the Lord just really brings salvation through those songs. That's just one thing. And, uh, you know, so the question is, yeah, what is the boat that you're supposed to build? And, and do you know, and are you just dragging your feet about that? Mm-hmm. Why are you dragging your feet? Here's the thing. You got to pick up some wood. You need to get yourself a hammer. You need to get some nails. I think the boat can seem so overwhelming at yeah. times, but it's like, okay, don't even think about the boat. <laughs> right. You know, just get yourself a hammer, get some nails. Yeah. And start working. If I had a hammer, <laughs> I'd build a boat. <laughs> I'd hammer in the morning. <laughs> Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, do it. Yeah. Maybe you like mysteries. I do. One of my all-time favorites is the Sherlock Holmes series starting, starring Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock and Martin Freeman as Holmes. Have you ever seen that particular? Yeah, I have. It's really good. It is so good. He's so good. Benedict is such an amazing yep. actor, and so is Martin Freeman. Mm-hmm. I think Martin Freeman plays Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit. Oh, really? I believe so. Anyway, I love the journey to the mystery being solved. And when it's solved, I'm pumping my fist in the air. (laughs) I just love a mystery and a resolving of a mystery. But imagine a Sherlock Holmes mystery that's never solved. Tension, frustration, even fear if it's a real-life mystery that hits close to home. Hmm. That said, I think an unsolved mystery can lead to a sense of wonder that there are things bigger than me, that a bigger intellect than mine Mm -hmm. knows things I'll never know, things so beyond me that it just causes me to fall on my face in worship. The Bible gives us these kind of mysteries. God has always existed. Man, that one got me when I was in college. All of a sudden I thought, God has always existed. That's not possible. And it really, I had a crisis of faith. How could God, how could anything have always existed? Mm -hmm. And I wrestled through that and and just came to to realize this is a fall on my face in worship kind of thing. Yeah. I had a moment like that when I I could see in my mind's eye um, the Lord inviting me to him. Like as a toddler, there's more to the story. I'll give you the short version. And then boom, just like that, I was 35 years old. And then boom, just like that, I was 85. And I felt like what God wanted me to grab from that was, I see all of you. I'm not like in my relationship with you. I am not confined to the moment in time that you're living in, Mm -hmm. like what you're stuck in. I'm not. So I see all of Shauna. 
Mm. And that just is so, it's mysterious to me, but also really, really comforting to me. It also songs sounds like the song A uh, Hundred Years. I'm 15 for a moment. And right. then, it, then it goes through the whole, the, the guy's whole life. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you experienced that song. I did. And just like a very, very brief encounter with the Lord and, and vision in my mind's eye, I saw that unfold and I felt like, yeah, I just felt like he wanted me to know, I see you. Yeah. All of you. Yeah. I think that's so amazing that God did that for you. It's a mystery though, right? Like how can he know me not just now, but like know my future self? Yeah. Well, God is beyond space and time. There's another mystery. Here's another one the Bible gives us. God is three persons, yet one. Mm-hmm. God became a man. That's another one. And this one that we talked about on Wednesday, and so this is 2.0. Okay. God chooses who will be in his family mm. before the world began and at the same time pursues the salvation of every single person. There are impressive ways that brilliant theologians have given to solve this mystery. But for me, this is a mystery that was never meant to be solved. For me, I'm just saying. It's one of those mind-blowing, fall-on-my-face-and-worship mysteries. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Mm. And Paul writes in Ephesians that God has chosen us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Amazing. Before I was born, God chose me Mm -hmm. and you for eternal life. So are some not chosen? It seems to imply that if God did this before the creation of the world, then some are not chosen. Do some people have no chance? Here's what Paul, the greatest theologian ever, just underneath Jesus, says. God wants not only us, but everyone saved, everyone to get to know the truth. And then Peter says, God doesn't want anyone to perish, so he is giving more time for mm-hmm. everyone to repent. 2 Peter 3.9, the other one, 1 Timothy 2.4. An unsolvable, beautiful mystery. And feel the tension. God chose you before the world began. And God goes after every single lost sheep. Do, do you feel mm-hmm. that tension? I do. And I I shared this on Wednesday, but like the image that comes to mind for me when we talk about this, him choosing us, but then us having the opportunity to choose him, is I picture a proposal. God down on one knee. So the choice has already been made. I want to spend my life with you. Mm-hmm. And then I get to choose whether or not I'm going to accept the proposal, whether I'm going to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. In that analogy, though, God got down on one knee and chose us before the creation of the world. Mm-hmm. And then in real time, he's proposing to us, mm-hmm. even though he's already chosen us. Mm-hmm. And we say yes, but we can also say no. I mean, there's the, there's the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. So this mystery, though, doesn't leave me frustrated or fearful because I can't solve it. It gives me hope. And here's why. If God has chosen us before the world began, and the word says he did, he will bring us safely home. Salvation is God's work from beginning to end. And I can rest in that. Mm-hmm. You keep saying the word rest this morning. Do you realize that? Like that we can rest in God's love, that we can rest. I'm hearing it and maybe it's 
that's because it's what I need so much right now. But like, I'm just feeling the invitation of the Lord throughout the morning yeah. to just rest in him. Because I listened to a message yesterday of just the gospel again. Uh, and it, it it was just about rest in Jesus. Rest, child, rest. Mm-hmm. Those were the words that, that were shared in this message. Rest, child, rest. Mm-hmm. And it was just being renewed in the gospel again so that's where yeah you good good call good catch I'm, i receive it i'm hearing it i believe it i'm yeah. resting mm-hmm. me too and so you know if god chooses us before the creation begins we can trust he's going to bring us home you know salvation is is god's thing and we can rest in it <laughs> and if god seeks to save every single lost sheep that's so hopeful Not everybody's going to be saved. I'm not talking about universalism, but God seeks to save every single lost sheep. If that's the case, we can trust that he is working right now. You know, think about the people in in your family who haven't yet received Jesus and they seem to be so resistant. We can trust that he is working by his word, by his spirit, and through us to reach them. These are the days, my friend. I don't know if you can relate with this, but the enemy, the enemy of our our souls, so often accuses me of my sins. Mm-hmm. It's just a reality of my life. It's been a reality of my life since I really committed my life to Jesus when I was, I mean, even as a teenager, right up to the present, the enemy has just been accusing me. And the word says that the enemy accuses God's people day and night and day and night and day and night. And and what he says is, look what you've done. Look what you've done. Look what a worthless, worthless piece of slime that you are. You ought to just, you ought to just go away. You're, you don't even belong in this world. You're, you're such a, you know, I mean. Yeah, the just, lies. I mean, he just he's the accuser. That's what Satan means, right? You said that earlier this week. Satan means accuser, and he just comes at us with this stuff. You had asked the question. I think you started this kind of conversation by saying, I don't know if. You can relate. You can relate. But, man, can I relate. So just yesterday, I've been, there's been a spiritual battle going on in my life for the last week. And I was like, okay. It's time to take this thing head on and find out what exactly is going on. And so with accusations that were kind of like the enemy just weasels his way in, he weasels his way in. So he did. He did that. And I just went, okay, Lord, what are the lies that he's trying to feed me right now? What am I believing? And there were two that really surfaced. And one of the lies was, you're on your own. You're on your own. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to figure this out. You got yourself into this mess. You get yourself out of it. That was one of the lies. And the Lord brought me to Isaiah forty-one thirteen, reminding me, I am not on my own. The Lord is with me. He takes me by the right hand and he helps me. I am not on my own. And then the other one was um, that my life is insignificant. Mm. Doesn't, and I feel like, man, that's the one that is so painful for me to hear that, that I don't matter. Yeah. So I just was like, okay, Lord, (laughs) what's the truth? And I was reminded of the truth that, you know, God's got a plan for my life and his plan is being worked out in my life. But the enemy wants you to believe that what you have done has disqualified you from being used by him in the future. And 
we can't go toe to toe with him and fight and say it wasn't that bad. I didn't disqualify myself. I'm good. That that's there's it's futile. That doesn't help. Mm-hmm. What we do is we shift the focus from what I've done to what God has done. Yeah. What God has done in my life. It's like you don't have to go toe to toe with the enemy and battle him and try to win that fight and say that you're worthy. Jesus. Yeah. If yeah. that's all you can say, just say Jesus. Yeah. He's our he's our defense attorney. Mm-hmm. He stands he stands at God's right hand and he represents us there. And he's it says the word says he's always interceding for us. So he's always standing in our defense saying, I paid the penalty for all those sins and my perfect righteousness is counted as yours. He's always standing there doing that. And so we can just say to Satan when he, you know, accuses us and condemns us, we can just say like a friend of mine told me he does, take it up with my defense attorney. Hmm. Shauna has a really special friend to talk with right now. It's bring your sister to work day. I brought my sister to work. My sister, so you know you can bring the girl out of California, but you can't get the California out of the girl. I am SoCal through and through, and we talk about this a lot on the show. My sister from Southern California is visiting today. Hi, Cal. Hi. How you doing? I am well, thank you. Good. It's so fun to have you here at work with me and on the show. Yes, I usually try to hide out in your office. You do? Yes. We need to talk a little bit about your coming to Michigan, because every time you come to Michigan, it's always February, right? It has over the last number of years, yes. Okay, been February because you have a work trip that you come here for, but every single time you come, you bring some really, really violent winter weather. (laughs) It does. What's up? Michigan greets me well. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and you probably think that this is what Michigan is always like, like yesterday. Yes, yeah, and actually yesterday was mild compared to years past, but That's true. Yes. I know this was the first time actually I we were driving to um Maranatha mm-hmm. and in Muskegon and I said I don't remember seeing this place without the snow on the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I said it looks very different. Mm-hmm. I kind of actually miss the snow. So you guys, you know, blessed me with snow on Thursday. We did. We got you a little bit of snow. Yes. So it's so fun to have you here and to like the time together is so wonderful. But a little bit of um, your world in California and part of what you do, you've got two jobs. I do. You work very hard. But one of those jobs is refing for volleyball. I do. At yes. the pretty high level. Um, all levels. Yeah. So okay. yeah, various. So high school, junior club, collegiate club and college. As a matter of fact, I have a fun story Yeah, because I shared this with um, my staff, some of my staffers, because there's a number of Hope College graduates. And I actually got to um, officiate on the line for Hope College in their championship matches in um, California. Just wow. recently. Yeah, in the fall. Yeah, that's awesome. Did so they how- win the national? <laughs> they were runners up. So I got to work in their semifinal match, but I did not do their championship match, but it was fun. Okay. Hmm. What's it like? All the orange out there. All the orange. All the orange <laughs> and all the blue. Yeah. Yes. What's it like when you are refing a game and you get opposed, you get pushed back by a coach? How do you, hand- I mean, how does that make you feel and how do you handle it? 
Oh, ooh, guy, that's a good question. You kind of each situation is a little bit different, and it depends on a lot of different dynamics. So you try to just stay calm because if I elevate, I elevate the situation, mm-hmm. and so um, you just try to kind of mediate and step in and bring an answer. Have you ever thrown a coach out? I personally have not. Yes, coaches have been thrown out. So. Yes. Not mm. yet. Not yet. <laughs> I got thrown out once by a ref, but that's for another time. <laughs> a different story for a different day. Yeah. Well, yeah, I could see you just totally keeping your, that's who you are. It's who you've been to me. You definitely keep your cool in the midst of crisis situations. In fact, when other people kind of like get elevated and get heated and mm-hmm. you are all the more calm. Mm-hmm. I remember. And then I panic afterwards. Really? No. <laughs> well, you get through the crisis situation. Do you remember when dad was, um, he was working with a car battery in the garage and the thing blew up in his face. Do you remember this? I remember vaguely, but I don't remember how I responded. Now oh you have my, my mind goodness. just turning. Okay. <laughs> so the rest of us, dad's covered in acid and he comes running in oh the gosh. house and he's, yeah, he wears glasses. So his eyes were protected. Thank mm. God. Yeah, but he's covered in ass and he comes in the house and he's screaming and we're all kind of like rallied. Mm -hmm. But you were the one who was like, get your clothes off, get in the shower. Like you knew exactly what to do. You just took command of the situation Mm. and made sure that dad got what dad needed. I made it up as I went, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You were cool as a cucumber. The rest of us were like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Okay, So I have a question. Yes, sir. About Shauna. Yes. Ooh, okay. And so... Shauna says, Shauna claims that she was a nerd growing up. You know, I, I do, guys, I you do have listen to, to your podcast. Truth. You have to tell the truth. No, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? I think in our heads, we all kind of were nerds in different ways. And different, but I mm-hmm. think she just had that with the glasses. She had a lot against her and she got picked on a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I myself never considered her a nerd. A nerd. I, she's just the best thing ever. She was the best sister always and now. And I'm just so proud of who she has because come and who she is and now i'm gonna get emotional so. i'm gonna get emotional too that's you know, really i can't sweet. i can't picture that the reason i ask is i can't picture you as a nerd because <laughs> you're really put together oh you got thanks, it going Paradog. on thanks Paradog. but if i if i do i can i've got a good imagination and i i'll I can, bring you some pictures i can think little shauna and the glasses and the sure. patch and oh yeah so you know I, I can conceive of it but knowing you now and just thinking about that part of it, it doesn't seem like you could have been a nerd. Thanks, dude. Yeah. That's very cool of you. When you talk about like getting picked on a lot, there was one time that we went to Fedco with mom and Dawn was off and doing her thing at this point. She's mm-hmm. the oldest sister and she's like almost 12 years older than I am. So there's quite a gap there. But Kelly, Jody, and myself, my, so my two older sisters and me were still at home and we went to Fedco. Okay. And we came home and I, there was some, I don't even know what was going on, some kind of scuffle with me and a, a gal at school and and word on the street was she was going to kick my tail right yes. so i was going to get beat up well we came home from fedco and the neighbor across the street denise was like hey shauna come over here real quick as we were getting out of the car and like unloading the groceries and stuff and i was like i know susan Catalano was over there be hiding behind the trailer like i just know she is i just know she is and she's going to beat me up and you and jody were like oh no, no she's not <laughs> 
walked. I just like in my head, I picture it in slow motion, like little Shauna in her bell bottoms with yep. all her yep. swagger with her two big sisters, four and five come years on. older than her, yeah. right behind her, just like Woo. slow motion, like here we come. And yeah, you guys were like not having any of that. And you just stood behind me. Let me do the talking, but just uh-huh. stood behind me and we're like, nobody's messing with our Shauna, not today. No, I know. And I, I don't remember that incident, but huh. I just remember always feeling protective over both you and Jody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, thank you. Good big sister. Yeah. Such a good big sister. I know this is out of the box for you and out of your comfort zone to come on the air. So thanks for sharing a little bit of your heart and a little bit of yourself with us. You guys made it easy. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> you got it. Yay. You got it. Yeah. It's good. It's good to have... It's good to have people in your life who are in your corner, who love mm-hmm. you, who've got your back. And Kelly is one of those for me. So thanks for letting me share her with you. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show. Barry and Shauna mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.